Do you ever wonder what would happen if, well, if... If you give a dad a podcast. I'm what you call a nerdy fan. I nerd out at this stuff. Hardcore. You'll hear me talk about anime on here. You'll hear me talk about Power Rangers. You'll hear me talk about wrestling on here. Okay. I had an axe handle with a twisted T on it. <laughs> it right after that <laughs> twisted T video went viral. And man, they went out and grabbed it and smacked the dude in the head with it. It was so... That's great. I'd like to thank this podcast as a nostalgia moment for me. It's a show where I can talk about whatever I want. I'm a, I'm a human and I'm a chiropractor. There was a picture of me. It looked like I was on the side of a ramen box over in China. But... So I took my kids with me to Comic-Con. I thought that was really cool. Well, I don't know how I should listen to this podcast. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> like, and then Robert said this. If you give a dad a podcast, available now on all podcasting platforms. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I want to tell you about a new podcast out called Fouls Count Anywhere. It is a classic pro wrestling podcast that brings you the legends of wrestling with true wrestling fans Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. They bring on guests that are legends in this business as well as wrestlers of today, promoters, referees, you name it. They have them on there, folks, and I encourage you to listen to them. If you're on YouTube, watch them. They drop every Saturday. They have their podcast. They drop it in the afternoon. So look forward to that podcast coming out. Falls Count Anywhere podcast with Chris DiCarlo and Charlie Turner. Folks, you will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. And enjoy the podcast. Did you ever wonder what could have been with the AWA had things gone differently? Had their fortunes gone differently? Had certain wrestlers not left and perhaps more money would have been at the disposal of the Ganyas? Well, wonder no further. You can go to Brad Drake's YouTube channel and experience the 1987 Supermod for yourself. As Brad Drake starts off in May 1987, along with Greg Ganya, Baron Von Rochke, Vern Ganya himself, Nick Blockwinkle, Larry Zabisco, Kurt Hennig, and a slew of others as he plays and saves the Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson, the host of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. We are on today because of you. And in order to continue the podcast and get the guests on here that require some financial compensation, we're going to need help from people like you. Right now, we're attempting to get our YouTube videos monetized through YouTube. We need 1,000 subscribers in order to do that. So I've decided that if the 1,000th subscriber will get a free T-shirt like this from me and come on the show as a guest on the podcast. So subscribe today, and that 1,000th subscriber will be contacted by me and be given a T-shirt and come on the show. So subscribe today. If you already have, thank you. If you haven't, please do and tell your friends and subscribe today. And we'll talk to you soon and enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Bumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm your host, Brian Ferguson. My guest today 
has been a part of pro wrestling for many years. He has refereed, promoted, and worked with many of the icons of wrestling, including JBL, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and many others. He's also co-authored the book titled The Third Man, My Life and Times Inside the Ring and Out. My guest today, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Mr. James Beard. James, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, good to be with you, Brian. So you're in Texas. How's the weather yeah. down there? Because up here, it's where I'm at in Missouri, it's pretty pretty nippy. It uh, it got kind of nippy here actually <laughs> a couple of days ago. Yeah, we you know we've we've had a hot summer and, and yeah. this is kind of welcome to me. I like cool weather and and this is this is nice for me. I like yeah. it. Yeah, good. That's great. I'm glad glad to hear that. So, all right, a little bit about your background. So, if we could, you wouldn't mind. Let's get into growing up. Where did you grow up at? Kind of how you were raised, and uh, some of the schooling you you've done. Well, I, I I was raised about ninety miles from Dallas, a town called Tyler. Um, okay. My family is from that area, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you know I grew up basically like any other kid in tech, East Texas. And, and uh, you know I I was a, I watched wrestling on old black and white TV. You know I'm an old guy. I, I remember <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we had a good signal, sometimes we didn't. You know we had an antenna, in it, and sometimes those Dallas stations didn't come in so well, but. Uh, you know, when, when wrestling came on, my folks watched it and I watched it and I became a fan. And, you know, I, I grew up, grew up in this area, went to, went to school here. And then, then I, I ended up going to college on a basketball scholarship and, and okay. tore my knee up. And I came wow. back to Tyler to TJC, graduated at TJC and, and uh, got a little bit more involved in music there. And, okay. and, um, and then went to North Texas and, and that's where I finished up and I, Started playing in bands, you know, in, in, in college, and that's what I was doing when I got involved in wrestling. So it, it um, I, I got to know a few of the guys in the business. I was playing around the Dallas area, and and uh, gradually they kind of figured out I might have a clue. And, and the next thing I know, I'm kind of dabbling in it a little bit and became a little bit more in demand. And yeah, and there we go, you know, one yeah, of those so accidental you, careers. Yeah, uh, you said you played in the in a band. What instrument did you play? I play keyboards and sang. I was I was a lead singer most of the time. So, oh, okay. And, yeah, yeah. So I I did that for a long time. We we opened for everybody you can think of. Oh wow! Um, now I was country, most of the country artists for the most part. Yeah. Well, I'm glad your parents were fans because mine were not. They uh, yeah. they they uh, were not, and I'd have to go to my grandma's house quite a bit to 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 watch it. So uh, that's good you got into that. So. You know, after you got noticed and, and how did, like, getting into wrestling, what was your, uh, did you start out as the referee or did you, did you get trained in wrestling or, yeah. or let's talk about that a little bit about <laughs> how you were trained? No, and, no, no. And those, yeah, in those days, the only your training was you kind of got thrown in the water and told her to swim, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Bruiser Bodie was a big part of that. He kind of he kind of egged me on a little bit, and I started working around the edges a little bit in, in the Dallas area. And and the next thing I knew, I was working at the Sportatorium, and then the next thing I knew, I was working in Japan, and and, and it just kind of built from there. But uh, no, I, I I didn't get trained at all. It was it was kind of a feel thing for me, and it was it all felt natural. You know, first time I got in the ring, I felt comfortable, and wow. maybe that was partly because of being in music, you know, and being up front for that. But um, 
I, I just uh, I just kind of picked it up by by listening more than anything else. You know, I yeah. I, I, uh, I think I learned more. I tell people this all the time. I learned more listening than I did actually working in the ring. And and yeah. fortunately, I was around a lot of guys that were willing to talk and teach. And and you know, guys like Skandar Akbar and Johnny Valentine and Red Bastine and and Gary Hart. I mean, I, I had a lot of good teachers and, and, um, and just learning that way was, was the way I, 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 I shut up and listened. That's basically it. Yeah. You're like a sponge, right? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to know, I mean, I, I, I had a clue. I mean, from the time I was younger, I kind of, I started looking at wrestling kind of in a different way than just, I guess a fan would typically look at it. I started trying to figure out, you know, what, why is this happening? How is this happening? And of course I didn't, didn't know all the tricks until I got into the business, but, uh, right. um, and, and even then it took a while to figure some things out, but, but, uh, I had a clue and, and, uh, kind of understood the psychology and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and, and that made it easier for me. And plus I, I wasn't just a kid when I got into it, I was a little bit older than some of the guys that jump into it, you know? And yeah. so I was a little, I wasn't mature enough to know that I needed to, to, to absorb as much as I could absorb and, and without, trying to tell everybody how smart I was and and you know that that's well and you know and I'll say that because I I see that a lot these days a lot of the younger guys come in thinking that they already have it all figured out and then they just don't and and uh I uh I was willing to listen and and that helped me a lot and and it also helped me in in getting over with the guys and becoming Mm -hmm. you know part of the part of the boys i guess you would say and yeah and and that's a big part of it once you get yeah. to that point then then it makes it a lot easier for you yeah i was gonna say you know if you get in a little bit older you're a little more mature and you can you understand when to be when to talk and when not to absolutely yeah and, and uh you know we were at the cauliflower alley club a few weeks back and uh that's where i met you and and um you did the uh, the intro for the JBL, right? And right. Uh, yeah, I heard that your kind of your story and your background as well with JBL and, and and his story how he got started. So I would love the for our fans here today to kind of, if you could please, uh, kind of tell us the story about how how he got into it. I mean, you you were a big big <laughs> part of that. Yeah, I, I was the the day I met. John, uh, we, I was sitting in the booking booking room at the Sportatorium with Skandar Akbar, and and uh, we had a hole in our, our main event that night for TV. I mean, this TV show that we were putting together, and and uh, uh, Marine, uh, our champion was going to face, and I, I I can't remember exactly who it was, but for whatever reason, they weren't going to be able to make it. They were flying in from somewhere, and something happened, and and we were sitting there trying to readjust the TV, which is not uncommon. That that happened every week. You know, you always yeah. have something you change. But uh, while we were sitting there, the knock on the door in the middle of the afternoon, and um, I went and answered the door, and there was John. And he said, uh, you know, I'm Don Layfield. I'm looking for a job. And uh, he had been kind of kicked out of the nest. He'd been training with uh, Brad Rangans up in Minnesota. Okay. And we, we sat there and talked to him for a little while. And, of course, you see his size and his look and everything. And and you could tell he had a clue. Yeah. And, and, and he'd been trained by Brad. So we, we felt pretty comfortable with that and just talking to him. And so, you know, you get to a point where you can kind of tell with guys. Mm-hmm. When, when, you, when you've been around for a while, you can kind of tell without ever seeing them in the ring if if they may have some potential or some, some, something there that you could do something with. And, and yeah. 
Eck and I talked to him for a while and said, I tell you what, we'll just throw him into this into this match with, with uh, our champion, which was Rod Price at the time. And, um, it, you know, if he does well, then I'll let the thing go through, and we've got a big guy that we can work with. Yeah, and if if he you know if he's if he's not so good, then I'll just tell Rod to pin him, you know, and and it'll be over with. But uh, we went through that night, and it worked out well. And and from that moment on, John and I were like best friends. I mean, we yeah. we had a lot of things in common. Growing up, our families were very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of the same uh, feelings about a lot of things, and and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's just one of those things you just fit together. Yeah. And, and and that's happened, you know, I've been real fortunate. I've got a lot of great friends in wrestling, but yeah. there's, there's a handful that you just have something special with. And yeah. John was one of those guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we I trained with him, helped him, you know, w- work out and, and kind of polish off some things. And, and uh, he just got better and better and better. He was one of those guys that wanted to learn and, and listened and, and watched and, and paid attention. Uh, the the really good ones do that yeah. and and you you knew that he was going to he was going to he was going to make it in this business yeah. and uh and I did everything I could to help him and and when he got to that point he had the opportunity he he, he took off and, and and did it you know yeah. um, it just says a lot for him yeah i was going to ask you that was my next question about his when you looked at him and you saw his in ring and potential did you think he would make the big time? And you already answered that. Yes. And yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, I, I, I knew, I knew he was going to do well. You never know what, yeah. what well means sometimes, you know, right. you don't, you don't know if he's going to be a world champion in a, in the largest wrestling company in the world, but, mm-hmm. but you know, he's going to be successful somehow. And, yeah. and I, I just felt that. And, and he, he absolutely did that. And, he, and it, you know, it didn't happen overnight for him. It, right. It, it took some incarnations i guess to get to that point to, and, and the right opportunity yeah to get to that point to uh to where he, he had that chance to really show himself and he yeah. did that yeah i was gonna say jbl is probably one of the last uh wrestlers uh from that era that really played his role well as what i mean is in ring his persona as the the wrestling God and, 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 uh, and all that. He, I mean, he really, he was one of the last ones that really, really fired me up and I'd actually get off my, get off my butt and stand up and and yell at the TV, you know? And and I, I tell guys this a lot when I'm working with them and training and and that and seminars and things, but the great heels weren't afraid to get heat. And John's one of the, one of the few guys and one of the last on the major TV show that that's Mm -hmm. willing to do that. Yeah. You know, and 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 he he bought into it, and he and he did it well, and and uh, uh, you know that that's that's something you have to do if you're going to be successful. You you can't uh, a great heel who really gets heat can't want to kiss all the babies. You know, he's got to be he's got to be that heel, yeah. and and John yeah. was willing to do that, and and yeah. that made a difference for him. Yeah, yeah, no, I I mean he was was um. Uh, was it SmackDown or week one of them? And yeah, uh, you know he still he still got it. All you got to do is talk, and you know they get mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> oh it. yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. when I met him in person, that I mean, totally, you know, nicest guy you'll probably ever meet. Talked oh, to yeah. me for a few minutes uh, when he signed my uh, my uh, action figure I had of him, and 
Yeah. When I, when I heard too, he was giving all his proceeds to the cauliflower alley club that, that really touched my heart because, and I'm not saying everybody, but there's some guys that they're just take the money and thank you and go. But uh, I could tell uh, uh, he was raised right. And, and it must be a Texas thing, right? Well, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some good folks down there. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah. He, he's always been like that. I yeah. mean, even when he didn't have $50 in his pocket, he was always generous yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, nothing like the, the image a lot of people think of when, yeah. when they think of J- John or JVL he, he's, and he's done a lot of good for, for underprivileged kids in different places, not just here, but in yeah. other areas. And, and I'm really proud of him for those things. He, yeah. and, and he's been fortunate. I mean, he's Smart money wise, done very very well uh, in financial situations, and and you know he's a guy that's willing to to give back, and, yeah. and that that means a lot to me too because I, I that just proves that I was right about him all along, you know. Yeah, yeah, you had a good you have a good eye for talent, no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay, let's. You were a referee for a number of years. Yeah. Can you tell us about your first? match refereeing <laughs> i had not re- i don't even know if i can remember exactly who was in the first match i mean <laughs> i worked around the fringes a little bit you know and, yeah. and it, but one of the first the first night that i was in the business uh uh you know i ended up chasing uh brody and abdullah around the ring a few times and yeah you know i i, I you know I, I worked with so i've just been i mean you're talking about almost 40 years ago yeah and I've uh, worked thousands of matches and, and uh, it, it's kind of hard to remember all of them. And I've yeah. never been real good at record keeping or, or keeping uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, memorabilia and those kind of things, which I regret. I know guys that, that absolutely know every match they've ever been in and, and yeah. the results and the times and the place. And, and they've got pictures of everything and I, and I just didn't do that. I wish I had. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I mean, like, Chris Jericho, he, I, he has a book out now that has all of his matches. He recorded everything, yeah. so it's something like that. So, yeah, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your, your – you've been to a lot of different places, uh, yeah. some of your travel experiences. So is there a travel experience, you're riding with somebody or, or traveling with somebody or a group of guys that just sticks out in your mind that you could tell a story about a little bit for us? Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so many because I, you know, my first, I guess, and working at the sport tournament was great, but my mm. first really big break came going to Japan and okay. that, that kind of, kind of made my uh, career for me for mm. the most part, because uh, I went over there thinking I was just going to go for that one shot, mm-hmm. you know, or, or actually it's two shots, two, two different nights, but uh, as it turned out, they offered me a position there, and I and and as far as I know, I'm the only American or, or gaijin uh, <laughs> referee that's ever actually worked for a Japanese company. Oh, okay, uh, cool. As, as as part of actually part of the the crew. I mean, I know there's other referees that's gone over there and done shows and right. tr- and tours and that kind of thing, but as far as being hired by a company as a regular member as far as i know i'm the only one and i've done that for a couple of different ones so yeah um uh, it it, that was a great that was a great opportunity i did a lot of travel with those guys of course Mm -hmm. and and a lot of great experiences with those and Mm -hmm. and uh uh, probably the most fun i ever had on a foreign foreign uh, uh tour was working in germany and john was involved in that 
Okay. Uh, I went over there for Ottawa's, okay. and and uh, I, I went over. The idea for it was, is I go over as an NWA official, which at the time I was working with the NWA mm -hmm. and um, and Crockett, and and uh, um, I went over there and actually did kind of a heel thing, and mm -hmm. for and and, and it, it was so much fun. I know I finally figured out why these guys enjoyed doing that. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't I didn't cheat. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything illegal, but I sure got a lot of heat, and and it was fun, and and. Uh, I just, you know, that, that, that experience may have been my most enjoyable of all these years. You know, I, I, I came out of the, came out of the stands complaining about, um, about them treating the foreigners poorly and, and really, really got on to the German people about it. And, and I couldn't, I didn't know if they were understanding me or not, you know, but, and uh, all of a sudden I hear this big booming voice as Otto Wines, he, he comes, he says, who are you? And I'm like, so I started in on him. <laughs> and and, and uh, he, he took my passport in front of about 7,000 people. And I'm like, oh, God. You know, and, and we built that thing up over a week, week or so's time and, yeah. and into a, a final match that yeah. with John against the champion. And, and even though I didn't cheat, John ended up winning it. And it, it, was, it was, I was getting all kinds of heat. They, were, hey, they hated me. And I loved it. It was fun. <laughs> You were you were Nick Patrick before Nick Patrick, right? From the well, yeah. Except uh, except Nick actually really cheated. I yeah, 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 yeah. But you were kind of one of the first ones that that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, Nick, 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 Nick's great referee. He did that yeah. was good. You know, it, oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was fun. Yeah. I understand. Like I said, I understand why guys enjoy working on that side of things. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's that's an interesting story. See, I'm I'm learning stuff, so that's that's great. So you work for a different a bunch of different promotions. You talk about Japan a little bit and uh, yeah. and world class. What was one of your favorite promotions to work for that you just really enjoyed and that you, and I know you've had a lot of them. Uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. I mean, if there isn't one in particular, that's okay. But there's always usually somewhere where you've worked where you're. You know, you just really enjoyed it. You got along with all the boys and all that. Yeah, I mean, I, of course, working at home and in, in, in the sportatorium mm -hmm. is a big deal. And mm -hmm. whether it's world class or USWA or, or global, uh, I, I'm, you know, a lot of people don't know that much about global. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird story, the way yeah. it started and the way it ended up and how it morphed into something different. And, and uh, I, it doesn't get a lot of the, the credit that it, that it should get, I think, because of all the, the guys that came through there and started and got some experience and, and went on. And, and, and it's amazing how many times I've been told by people that, you know, I, hey, I, I remember watching you after I got out of school on ESPN. Mm -hmm. yeah it was a big deal yeah. and uh and and that was a lot of fun although all that time i was working in japan so i was I, sometimes i'd be gone six or eight weeks and come back and 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 i didn't get to do all of global but i, I did enough of it to and, and they gave me enough i guess stroke is what i'm trying to, to, to do kind of what i wanted to and mm -hmm. it was fun i enjoyed yeah. doing that uh but the japanese thing is number one for me yeah i mean because of the the atmosphere the 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 way the fans and the media treated the, the sport yeah uh the, the opportunity to work with so many guys that were so well trained and so mm -hmm. and in a mixture of japanese guys and 
and foreign guys. The one one company I worked with over there, uh, SWS, had actually had an agreement with with WWF at the time. Okay. That was early nineties, and um, uh, we you know, we get WWF stars over there on every tour. So I got to work with all the big guys, big names of the business over there. But I yeah. was actually working for the Japanese company, and and it was it was a lot of fun, and and yeah. and, and you know, and and it and it kind of gave me a little. I guess an opportunity to to know a lot a lot wider uh, variety of, of guys from different different areas of the country because they came from everywhere going, working for WWF and yeah. and, uh, uh, and, and it, it uh, that that experience in Japan really kind of like I said it made kind of made my career really because it gave yeah. me some validity here in the states it was a big deal back then yeah working in Japan was like a I mean you had to be really good to go over there. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, I got, I got lucky when, when, uh, Kendo Nagasaki, uh, uh, Tetsu Sakurata is actually his real name, but he was, he was a very good friend and he asked me to go over the first time. And, and like I said, I, I was, I was planning on just a yeah. one experience type situation. And, yeah. and the next thing I know, uh, I'm over there every, every month and, and, um, and that lasted for several years. Wow. I, I gotta ask you about Japan cause I, every, person that i've had on here that talks about japan absolutely enjoyed their time over there uh, as far as their their wrestling the the culture do you think japanese uh style or you know their promotions over there are a little bit underappreciated here because i've watched some like on uh access tv and, and when they have them on there iwgp uh but they don't really get the exposure that, you know, like WWE, AEW, uh, Impact out of Canada. Uh, do you think it's a little underappreciated here? Well, uh, maybe. Uh, it's a different different world in Japan, too, just like it is here now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they, they call New Japan strong style, but it's not the same strong style it was when I when I was working over there. Okay. Uh, it, it, strong style in, in, in those days was more of kind of a semi shoot. I yeah. mean, it, it was it was uh, it was very tight, very. I mean, it had a lot of athleticism involved, but yeah, they've kind of taken some of the. I mean, I know there's guys that still do that, but but mm-hmm. a lot of the featured guys are. are doing more of the athleticism things and not not so much the the strong part of it Mm -hmm. and uh and and then then there's there's the fact that that none of the major companies over there that i know of now bring the top stars from here over there to compete on a regular basis and and that's you know baba baba always had a crew of american guys over there you know you're, you're talking about um uh, you know, of course, Bruiser and and yeah. and Han- Hanson and and the the Funks and I mean I could go on and on yeah. and on. I mean that, the, but but they had kind of an American style, kind of a Texas style really over yeah. there because of the, the Funks influenced that a lot. Yeah, but it, but they had that style over there and 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 it was such a such a uh, I guess a big honor just to get to go over there. Yeah, you had to be really good. Yeah, and and if you weren't, you get ate up. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 then back then the the prestige of that was such a big deal. Yeah. And and that's changed somewhat. I mean, New Japan still has a lot of prestige, but yeah. But some of the some of the smaller companies and some of the other companies don't get the the press that that uh, that they those two big companies got back in those days. 
I was going to say, you know, back in uh, probably 15, 16, 17, uh, they had some guys over there that are, were big, big here. They had uh, Jericho, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, uh, the, uh, the Good Brothers. Uh, I mean, they had a group of guys, you know, the, the original Bullet Club came out of there. Uh, and, you know, the last few years, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's more, do you think it's because the cost of bringing those guys over there? Because big names now aren't, yeah. you know, it, 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 it doesn't, it's not cheap. And uh, do you think it's just a, a financial thing that, why that, they can't get them over there? Yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that, that's part of it, I'm sure. Uh you know, the COVID situation kind of hurt yeah. that too, you know, yeah. when we had that. Uh, I, you know, when, when I was going over there regularly, the, when it, the reason it kind of curtailed for me it, it during the, the mid to late 90s it, is that um, the economy got bad over there. And, yeah. and you know, it, it kind of, they, they didn't have the money, I guess, to, to spend on, on and, and, the, and plus people weren't coming out like they were before because of, mm-hmm. because of the economy and the financial situation. So the, right. all those things affect wrestling too. And, and I'm sure that's part of, part of why that situation changed in, in the mm-hmm. mid 2000, 2010s, whatever. But, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and some of those guys got big opportunities over here, you know, like mm-hmm. AJ and, and, and uh, kind of hard, kind of hard to turn that down and come back home and make yeah. even more money. And, yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes too, it kind of, when you go over there, I mean, I've seen that uh, where it kind of revitalizes your career. Uh, yeah. Like with, with AJ, AJ Styles, Jericho, the Good Brothers, those guys, I mean, they were stars, but they were kind of on a downward slope. They were over to Japan for a year or two, kind of get revamped, and and then they come back, and, you know, they're they're better. I think they're better. I think something about Japan, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's their... Because they get a break, they're not under as much pressure. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what the that that's part of it. Part of it is is is, uh, is the uh, demand on 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 quality, you know, mm-hmm. of, of wrestling there, and and learning and learning a different style and and, yeah. and creating that. But it, but th- see, that's that's what's missing in today's wrestling anyway. Yeah. Is, is the territories provided that naturally, because if you go back yes. and look at the territories, all the territories had different styles. Yep. And and you take these guys out of out of Texas and send them to uh, North Carolina or send them to the north northwest of Don Owens place or or you know wherever it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's going to be a little difference in the style. You go to yeah. Detroit, there's a different style. Yeah. Um, and and all those guys became so rounded and so so well versed in how to work with all these different different uh, talents. Yeah, and it, it just made them better. Yeah, and. and and plus, you had a way to get away from it. If you're really in a territory, you go up, and then you kind of stall out a little bit. You go somewhere else, and mm-hmm. and and you're away from there. And you can come back a few couple of years later, and you get hot again. Yeah, it, and and that's part of it too. I mean, the not being overexposed in one place, and and uh, and that's what happens a lot of times today. I think a lot of these wrestlers become so exposed in, in, in these one or two companies that we have that, that have the big TVs and, and, and after a while people just kind of go home, oh, um, you know, and they're not, not a big deal. But whereas if they had another place to go and stay away for a while and come back and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of re- recharge themselves a little bit, it, it, it changes everything for you. So it, there's a lot of, a lot of things involved in, 
yeah. the guys going to Japan and, and, and becoming better there and then coming back and, and they've got, a, they've got things that they're bringing with them too. Yeah. So it's mm. a lot of factors involved <clears throat> in that. The territories you bring it up. I'm glad you did. Cause I was going to bring it up. Um, you were a part of that era. I grew up in that era. Uh, I believe at one time, uh, jumping Jim Brunzel told me there was 26 territories around yeah. this, around the country that you, right. could, that you could go to if you were getting stale in one area. You could go to another area. They kind of did a little handshake deal with one promoter to another, right? And they could go there. Do you think um, it's kind of a lost art now to? You know, you have WWE and you have AEW. Those are the ones they go back and forth from now mainly. And it's pretty much the same character. They have to change their name or whatever because of copyright and trademark and right, all that. Right. But back then you didn't have to change your name. You could be no. Ray Stevens and go to uh from AWA to Mid Atlantic and you could be Ray the Crippler Stevens. You could uh, Yeah, you, yeah, you could build you yeah. can build credibility here and you can maintain that credibility and take right. it with you. Yeah. Right. Do you think that's a lost art? Well, it's, it's it, that's. I don't know that it's a lost art, but I think it's a lost uh, factor yeah. in, in in the business today that that changes everything. Um, guys don't become as rounded. That if you if you go to there, I mean, if you go to one of those two companies, there's basically a similar style in in everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few guys with, that are exceptions to that, but yeah, but for the most part, you you look at them and, and a, a lot of the matches look the same, a lot of the guys look the same, a lot of the guys work the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the gimmicks, the the uh, the images, the uh, the personas really don't factor into things because they you know, they give them a gimmick or, or a persona and say, okay, you're a, a whatever. And and they're that when they when they walk out of the curtain, but then when they get in the ring, they all work like, yeah. and, and and it doesn't carry through to the to the work, right? So they don't really learn that that there's a difference and, and there's a way to present something and be that when you get in the ring, not just just walking through the curtain, and yeah. that's a part of it too. So, I mean, it, it, it's there's just not a way to get as well rounded. The, the indies are really better for that than any, and and yeah. a lot of guys don't know how to take advantage of that. I was going to say, you know, the Indies to me, I mean, I live in Missouri, Southwest Missouri, and they have a company here, right, well, a couple hours from here called Mid-States Wrestling. There's New Breed Wrestling. I go to those, one, because I think they're more, they're up-and-comers, they're really trying, they're trying to round their, you know, master their craft. They don't take... 20 minutes to do an interview and then they have a five minute match. It's not, it's more of, they come out of the, the curtain. They might say a word or two, they get in there and kick butt or whatever. And then they get back out. To me, it's just kind of a, you know, you, you said a little bit better, some of the factors, but you, you know, you pay a lot less too. Well, the, the, yeah, that's true too. But yeah. the, 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 a lot of those better indies, now there's some bad indies out there. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. There's some, horrific that are just run by people that ought to be buying tickets for sure <laughs> yeah but, but some of some of the better ones uh are ran by people who at least uh, understand and appreciate the the basic tradition of this business yeah and and those guys those guys expect their guys mm-hmm. to 
exhibit that in their matches and in the way they, they present their shows. And, yeah. and those, those are the places you need to look for if you're an indie guy. Yeah. And try to go to those places and you can you can get some variety of styles, mm-hmm. but but you're still getting that basic, uh, I, I guess, basic structure of how to how to present yourself and how to work in the ring. And, yeah. and at the same time, you can get a variety of, of different different styles there. And that's that's a good thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and the, the shame of it is, is once they get to that point and then a lot of times they get picked up by one of the big companies, then they want to turn them into something that they're not. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's a shame. Yeah, I got a great example that uh, I don't remember if you remember uh, in WWE, there was a guy named Simon Gotch. I remember uh, the name. I, okay, he had a handlebar mustache, had the okay, kind of the yeah. old timer look. Yeah. When he was in World League Wrestling here in, in Missouri at Petroy there, he was uh, Ryan Drake, and he played this character to the T, had a beautiful or a wonderful uh, gimmick and knew how to wrestle it's like when he got there it, they just took the fizzle out of the guy and he only worked there for a couple of years and he, he just said he couldn't take it anymore the the yeah the grind and, that, and yeah it's just yeah, that, that, that's that's been the case and the story for a lot of guys that, that that's done that and 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 it takes all their their energy away from them and all of their their uh, i guess their persona you know if they, yeah. if they really feel that and they're really that and, and then you get there and they go, oh, no, no, we want you to be, you know, you're going there, you're an Indian and they want you to be a cowboy, you know, and, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, and that's just, you know, I yeah. want to say that because it's one option, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it, you, you just, you just get all of the heart taken out of yourself and, and that's a shame really. Yeah. I think, you know, they should give them a little more creativity, but you know. Who am I? I'm just, right, a, but, but not, but not too much. Some, not too much. You gotta, yeah. Oh, so, I, sometimes uh, that may be what, you know, I will watch this stuff with AEW sometimes and they talk about, you know, we've got all this creative freedom and that kind of thing. Well, sometimes that's not a good thing. Yeah. Some of these guys just don't have the, the wherewithal to, to know how to use that freedom. And, yeah. and uh, it becomes almost like the inmates running the, the inside them. And, yes. And that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you've got to have some kind of control, but at yeah. the same time, you know, it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. And, and the guys that really understand how to, how to get the most out of somebody are the guys that should be running those things. And unfortunately that doesn't always happen. I was going to talk about you that you were a booker. And that is a very, you know, I've talked to some other people that have done that job and you have to be very creative and very, have a very good mind of how to package somebody to, to sell that and and to uh, understand that and to put, I guess, basically butts in seats, right. And watch your, watch your company. What was that process like for you as a booker Uh, when your talent came in and they said, okay, I'm, I'm, what was your what was your thought process and, and how you did that? Well, first of all, that's that's the part of the business I enjoy the most. Okay. I enjoy the creative side of it. Uh, I do enjoy being in the ring. I mean, I'm 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 at a point now where I don't, I may I may get in the ring once or twice, but I don't want to be in there six or seven matches anymore. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the creative side of it is what really drew me to it anyway yeah. to begin with, and and that's what I wanted to do and. Fortunately, I got those opportunities and started in Japan, actually. And okay. uh, uh, my, my philosophy has always been to have an open door. I mean, listen to everybody and, and, and not you know, discount any ideas. 
not necessarily take them. And sometimes you hear an idea and you go like, mm, that might work, but I don't have to tweak this and tweak that and, and, and try to make it, you know, work. And the whole, the whole idea is to create a situation where you've got, for the most part, uh, yeah. uh, personal, personal issues. I mean, that, that's an old uh, yeah. formula, the, uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, it's his, it's his deal. Yeah. He, he, you know, he always said, you know, create personal issues and he's right. Uh, yeah. If you do that in whatever area that you're doing it in those things are going to be interesting to people because they can relate to it mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's the same as working a match uh if, if fans can relate to it and understand it they'll get into it yeah and a lot of these matches i see today they do a lot of things and people may pop for them and make a lot of racket you know or, or react to them yeah but when the match is over with they don't understand what happened they don't know what, they don't know the point of the match you know yeah. why did they do that and that kind of thing and creating uh, an angle or a personal issue, you've got to have a reason for for things. Mm. And, and and people have to understand it and relate to it. And if they can relate to it, then they'll care. Yeah. If you make them care, then they've got an emotional investment in what you're doing. And that's the whole key to it. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, that, that piece right there, you just mentioned about the emotional connection, the personal uh, issues brought up that is such a missing piece in today's wrestling and i'll be honest i don't watch it nearly as much as i used to and that's part of it is because i don't have a a piece in it i don't have a you know yeah i understand what that guy's doing or that woman's doing why she's doing that or he's doing that let me, uh, let me give you a perfect example of that and that's sure, this, this is this is really a shame that it happened this way but sure. aew aew is company that kind of built on the smart mark thing where they 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 expect a certain kind of match yep. and and but they never really increased their their viewership or their mm-hmm. their fan base it's always it got to this point and it's been basically the same yeah when they had an issue in the back in the dressing room <laughs> there was more interest in what they're doing than what ever happened to them in the ring. Yep. And it was because it was a personal issue. Now, the, I don't suggest anybody doing that right. or doing it that way, <laughs> but, but it just kind of drives home the point that, that you know, people get interested in those things. Yeah. I mean, why are these guys, you know, upset with each other? Why did this happen? Yeah. You can, you can, if you can do that and create that in a, in a yeah. wrestling sense and in, 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 in a creative sense in the ring, then, then you've got something that people want to watch. Yeah, and you know, it, that for me, that that's a perfect example of of, of the difference between just doing things and yeah. actually having people care about what happened. You're exactly and, and right. You, you know, you go back and I, even myself. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of curious, like, why did this happen? You know, yeah. and and I wanted to know about it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I hear guys talking about it. You know. I get to listen to Jimmy Cornette on, on his podcast, and you know, I'm going like, "This is crazy, but it's interesting," you know. Yeah, but and, yeah. and and that's the point. You yeah. got a personal issue going on, and people want to hear about it. Yeah, they want to see it. They want to know how it ends. Unfortunately, this one's probably not going to end well. But but in a wrestling context, you could do something that creates those same uh, emotions, and and you do have control over how it ends, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That you know, what's funny is. I was a guest on a podcast last week, first time being a guest, and they brought that up, that the the AEW issue. And uh, I told them, I'll be honest, I thought it was a work at first because 
it didn't seem like that could really, you know, happen. But it did it really happen, and there's a lot of heat over it right now. And, and you're right, that's treat you know, pinged everybody's mind. What can what's what's going on here? Why are we why are we doing that? And they're not concentrating on the other stuff. So you're right. I, I really that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's interesting. So so booking wise, um, you did Japan world class. Is there anywhere else that you booked that? Uh, you know, Mid Atlantic or wherever. I, I'm not sure. I know you did a lot. Yeah, I had I had well uh, a lot of. I mean, some local places. You know, I mean, yeah. we had a, we had a deal going in Dallas uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, SWE. Okay. And we were we were we were cooking. Yeah. We were, do, we were doing some good, and uh, it was kind of the same old story that a lot of promotions that get started hot and things happen and, and some outside voices became involved. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, you know, I, I was booking it to begin with and, mm-hmm. and, and during the time we really got some attention and we mm-hmm. were getting a lot of attention. Uh, and then the next thing, you know, you know, you got people coming in and, you know, this, that, and the other, I'm not going to get into details or personalities or anything. But, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there were, there were things that happened that, that, uh, uh, shouldn't have happened Some people that got involved that shouldn't have been involved um, yeah. voices that were being listened to that shouldn't have been listened to and 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 that took all the the uh, momentum away from us that should that 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 company should have it should have sustained it should still be working and and uh, we were doing really well yeah. I, I don't think I'm the only one that feels this way either yeah and, uh, and but but I've, I've, I've booked a lot of a lot of local promotions like that and or hadn't and and I had a lot of lot of input in, in yeah. uh, global during those years and and um, you know it, it's it's been one thing I, and I, I still try to do a little bit of that here and there yeah um, it's just not a lot of opportunities that's a problem and yeah and and you know unfortunately a lot of times when when somebody does have a, a, a situation where they can start something up and may have some potential they usually they usually start out listening to the wrong voices they don't they don't go looking for the guys that really. <laughs> You know, they're really, yeah. can, they really, they go looking for the stars and the stars. Now, what I've found out is a lot of the stars only know how to get themselves over. Yeah. They don't, they don't really understand the whole, the process of getting a whole, whole promotion over. And, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like a lot of coaches in football and baseball. Some of the greatest coaches and, and managers and, and that, that sort of thing weren't the greatest players. They were the, they were the guys that sit and watch and listen and learn. Yes. And uh, and they became they became the ones that that led the guys to the World Series and to the Super Bowls and that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, that, unfortunately in wrestling that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, you like you said there were one time twenty six territories, and I'm sure there's disagreements then, but for the most part, you know, you had a, a good quality programming, uh, you know, and you, all the heat. Uh, you know, and I'm just, you were a big part of that. I know with world class and, and Japan, and I just I can't say enough how much that is missed today. You got all these writers uh, for WWE and AEW uh, that I don't know they don't understand the business, I guess. And and uh, and I'm not knocking them. I mean, they're they're. They're making money. They're doing something, but I mean, it just doesn't have the personal touch, like you said. So I well, and and there's a difference in just writing and and you know writing a, a 
some kind of format and and and, and booking yeah the difference in booking yeah booking booking you put the matches together and and book the guys you really want to book and mm-hmm. and and put them in the right places and like i said create as much as many uh, personal issues as you can that, that yeah. people can relate to and that kind of yeah. thing and and that's not really the point these days in a lot no. of cases and that's it's a shame but you know i I, I sit and watch some of this stuff, and I think I sure would like to have some input here and here and there. But yeah. I, I'm not the only one that feels that way. You no, know? you're not. <laughs> I, I think I could. I think I could fix that. But you know, you got to have you got to have the the uh, uh, the powers that be behind you and, and allow you to do that in order to fix it. And, I, and that usually doesn't happen. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping some. You know, I, I kind of see a little bit of, in WWE. I see a little bit of, of maybe moving that direction a little bit. And yeah. I, I, I'm hopeful for it because I love yeah. the business and I yeah. love wrestling. I, I want it to be good, but I can't watch it. I just can't. I can't because it doesn't. It doesn't bring me in. It doesn't make me care. Yeah. And and if if you know, I, I know all the little tricks, but if if I see something that that can that can do that for me, I still want to watch. I, yeah. I just I, I just can't. Yeah. No, I. Most people I talk to uh, have on this podcast tell me the exactly same thing that uh, they're just uh, the lostness of the personal issues of the of the uh, real heat and real baby faces and it, it is it's sad. I mean, I hope someday it'll come back. Let me ask you this, uh, and I've asked several people this, and they I've had the same answer. You might be different. Do you think the territories can ever? come back i don't think they could come back the way they were uh i mean i think you can have you can have uh maybe some regionally successful programs that that do well Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what we were striving for with swe when we started it we we really weren't trying to be a national company right Uh, it was it was about you know Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and Arkansas and that area and mm-hmm. and, and just trying to trying to be a, a big fish in that bowl, you know, or, or as big a fish as we could be in that bowl. Yeah. And and not really thinking about competing with WWE or AEW or anybody, just trying to be our own person and, and our own own uh, promotion. And and we started out very well doing that. But, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and I think those things can be accomplished if you have the right situation and you stick to it and have the patience to develop yeah. it that way and yeah. have your own personality. Don't try to, you can't, we just have a saying you can't out Vince Vince. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of, a lot of promotions tried to do that and failed. And a lot of them with a lot of money tried to do that and failed. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, that's, that's something that you have to, you have to just be your own person, your own, your own, uh, uh, format and, and stick to it and, and and that's hard to do you have to have mm-hmm. patience to do that it's like a match yeah uh in, in order to develop a match you have to have the right timing and the right pacing and those are those are two arts that are almost lost these days yeah and there's nobody nobody wants to sell you know at least not really sell they'll, right. they'll sell for a moment and they'll back up again and and, and uh, you know i, I the you look at guys like a, like a Ricky Morton and, and a Ricky Steamboat and something about Ricky, I guess. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, those guys understood that timing, that pacing, how to, how to get the fans behind them before yeah. they ever did anything else. And, and, and that's why they were so successful. And, and guys, for some reason, don't snap to that these days. And then the heels don't want to really get heat and there's no rules. Rules don't mean anything, uh, mm. you know, coming from a referee standpoint, that's one thing I miss most because 
the 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 rules in wrestling these days and in the major companies most companies uh they're not consistent they're yeah. not the, the the referees don't have don't appear to have the authority to to try to enforce them right and that's a and that's a fine line to walk as a referee is trying to find that that point to where you look like you're trying to but you're really not you yeah. know yeah. And, and and you know as i tell guys when i work with them i said if you just if you just work with me i'll give you your opportunity to get heat yeah. If you're not going to put it on me. Right. And, and that's the, that's the whole key to that timing and pacing thing that they don't understand yeah. as a, for the most part these days. Right. No. And, and, and such, it was such a blessing to work with guys who did understand that because together we could create a, a situation where they got their heat. I look like I'm doing my job and, and the babyface got his sympathy and we end up with the right, right formula to have a great match. Yeah. And, and it takes all of us working together to do that. Yeah. These days, referees are basically just a, a, in most cases, and I'm not saying this in every case, but most cases, they're just kind of a necessary uh, a pawn in, in the, in the <laughs> ring. And not, they're not really part of the match. Yeah. And, and I, I always, I get, one of the things I wrote in my book, I wrote a whole chapter about the referee position and how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I said is that a referee in professional wrestling is not like football or baseball or other, other sports in that you don't want to recognize that there's a referee in those unless it's just a situation where you have to. Yeah. In wrestling, a referee is actually part of the match or should yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, not 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 the focal point in most cases, but at least a part of it where he's enhancing what's going on mm-hmm. and making it better uh, and not not somebody who just is invisible. Right. right. I keep hearing the rest of great referees, the ones that's invisible. That's baloney in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just it's just you're part of the match or you yeah. should be. Yeah. And and all of those things have to be in existence for you to be a part of it. And, and that's a big thing that's missing these days. And I hate that. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. It used to be back in the day, you know, the referee, you know, sometimes they get ran into and be knocked out. That's bring somebody else in or, or they're picking the other guy up and they swing around and they the boots hit the referee and he gets knocked down. and Or, you know, integral part of the match where they push him because they only got a two count and they're starting to shove the ref. And uh, You're right. I mean, you don't see that anymore. It, it's no, there's, a, there's a place for anything in wrestling, but, but it's all about doing it at the right time yeah, and, and yeah, for, the right, for, the, for, for the right reasons. Right. Uh, you know, I've, I've taken my share of bumps, yeah. but I took them when it, when it was right to take them, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I always think about this story and I, I've, I've told this before, working with Killer Tim Brooks, who was a, uh, I mean, a scary heel, mm-hmm. a very aggressive heel. Uh, a good friend of mine, but he was even even in the, being in the ring was scared. And and there was a time early on I was working with him, and he had a guy choking him on the ropes, and I was trying to get him to break. He wouldn't break, and I kept trying to get him. He said, "Pull me back by my ears," and I'm like, "What? You know, I'm, thinking, I'm not doing. If, if I if I do this, I know what you're going to do. I'm not doing that." He goes, "Do it." He kept, and I said, "Okay." So I reached down and grabbed him by. Of course, I'm not really yanking it but I'm yeah. working it back and I come back with him like this and, and he whirls around at me and he starts to come toward me and I just pointed at my shirt yeah. and he backed off Yeah. and you know after the match was over we were in the dressing room and I said man I didn't know if you were serious or not he said yes I was serious he said <laughs> it got me and you both over because it showed that I'm hard to handle I'm, I'm out of control and you went to extreme measure to try to control me 
Yeah. And then when, when I've whirled around on you, you put a shirt, you got your authority right there. And yeah. so it got us all over. And, and, and I think I always thought, you know, that's something that, that guys just don't understand these days, mm-hmm. how important that is to have that factor in a, in a match. And, and, uh, you know, it's a shame, but that's, that's what we've come to. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. Let's talk about your book for a minute. And then you wrote a book, uh, yep. Third Man. Yeah. My Life I, in, in Times In and Outside of the Ring. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, you uh, worked on it. I, I saw a co-author, Mark James. Is that is that accurate? or? Yeah, well, actually, I wrote the book myself. I okay. worked with my publisher. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, of course, it did the editing and that kind of thing. He was it's great. Mark is incredible. Yeah. Incredible guy, great friend, and a great historian of the business, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I basically wrote it myself. You know? Okay. And uh, um, it, it's mostly about my experiences with the guys, that, the Texas area, the guys I work with there, and there's some other things thrown in here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the chapter about the refereeing, and then there's some other little stories here and there. But yeah, uh, the the main point of the book was working, you know, some of the some of the bigger names that I worked with, the Von Erics, uh, Freebirds, uh, Gino Hernandez, Chris Adams. Uh, there's a story in there about John JBL and uh, uh, several guys that I worked with. And, yeah. and, and so it's not so much an autobiography thing. It, it was, right. I didn't intend to, intend to write that. It was mostly my experiences with those guys and, and my take on certain things that happened and a few stories in, involved too. So okay. uh, it, it, uh, it, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been fun to have that book out there. I'm trying to finish another one. I've been oh, okay. Good. three or four years. To, yeah. And it's going to be more, more about the territories that I worked in about working okay. in Japan. Uh, uh, the, the story about the USWA when I went there and okay. uh, some global stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Um, yeah. Just uh, you know, a, a, kind of a little little different approach in this book. Good, good. Oh, well, I'll be looking for that, and we will have your book's uh, description, you know, down in our description, and where to get it, and all that. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I am gonna buy the book. I have not had the opportunity to read it yet, but I am going to. I'm looking forward to it. One more question. Well, actually, two. I'm <laughs> sorry. All right. You were awarded the Charlie Smith Referee Award back in 2016 by the College Flower Alley Club. What was that? moment like for you being honored like uh, that. probably you know I've, I've been really blessed uh, I've, I've i've been in, inducted into several halls of fame and and mm-hmm. some other honors you know like lifetime achievement things and that kind of thing which is you know when you think about it as, as a guy who's primarily known as a referee and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing it, it, that doesn't happen a lot and i've, I've been lucky yeah uh, they created that that um that award and uh I, and and i was the first one to receive it oh, and, okay. and that meant that meant a lot it's kind of like the ultimate kind of like the ultimate thing because it's mm-hmm. uh um it's it's not just one territory or or one vision of it it's like a you know cauliflower alley it's involved yeah. with the whole whole industry basically yeah right uh, and, uh, and that, that was a great honor. Uh, yeah. and you know, John, John came in as my presenter. Okay. That, okay. And, and, uh, of course I, I returned the favor for him this year. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and that, and that was a great honor too, that he asked me to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, it's just like, 
Uh, Medusa said, you know, she 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 received that uh, Iron Mike Award last year mm-hmm. that, that John John received. Yeah, and she said, and she was talking to us about the about the awards and stuff. And she's got she's got plenty of Hall of Fame awards herself. Right. And, and she said, you know, I think this is probably the, the the premier award in the industry. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. so the cauliflower alley thing was a big deal. And yeah. and and. You know, and and I've, I've become I've become involved in the the uh, Thez, Tregos Thez Hall of Fame in, in yeah. Iowa. Yes, and um, and those people. That's my kind of like my second family. That's what I tell them. You know, that yeah. they're, my, they're my family. Jerry Briscoe, uh, I love that guy, even if he is from Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, he's so so friggin' smart and, yeah. and and knowledgeable about the business and and. And such a good guy, um, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 he's the one that kind of uh, Troy Peterson, of course, runs a, runs a lot of the day to day things, and mm-hmm. uh, Chad Olson, and all those guys, they're they're just incredible people, and and yeah. uh, that's such a fun uh, experience every year, and 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 uh, and that that's a big deal for me too. Yeah, yeah. All right, one more question. Okay. What are you doing now? You said you were working on your book, but is there other projects that you're working on as well? Well, I, I've, I've been helping a friend of mine who has a, a training program in Louisiana. Uh, okay. Dan, he, he worked in global as Dapper Dan, da, Danny Davis. Um, and he's got a, about 20-something students in Louisiana. And okay. I've been, been going down there about once a month, and, and he's running shows just for the students. He might bring one guy in or two guys in just to kind of give him some um, other perspective and that kind of thing. But I've been helping him out some down there called UWE. Okay. Uh, and uh, around the Alexandria area mostly. And okay. and uh, I've enjoyed that working with some young guys and there's some guys that have some potential there that he's, he's got. And, and, and I go to, I go to Sherman, Texas once a month. And then and, uh, my old friend, Robert Langdon has a Texoma promotion up there. And, and I, I don't, you know, I just kind of like an advisor kind of thing there more than okay. anything else. Uh, when they, when they ask me to do something, I'll do it. But uh, it's something I've been doing for a number of years. Yeah. And, and uh, in fact, I'll be up there this Friday. Uh, and, and, you know, Tim, Tim Storm and myself, we'll go, we're, we're kind of the same situation there. We, we've known Robert a long time and we yeah. put up with him and, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and try to help as much as we can. It, it's, 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 it's a, and, and that's fun. They've got a lot of guys there that yeah. Uh, you know, working the indie indie programs and 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 some guys he brings in as well and 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 it's I always enjoy working with younger guys. Yeah. And and then I work with with the, uh, Jerry Bostic has a world class yeah. promotion. That yeah. He, and uh, and I work with Jerry and and uh, in fact I'm going to be I'll be in Sherman Friday night and in Waco Saturday night with Jerry with Jerry and oh, I wow. did the same thing there. I, I basically uh, kind of help run the back and yeah. and uh, put the matches together and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's all of that's kind of the creative side of things that I'm working with now. I get in the ring once in a while if it's if it's uh, if it's important or, or if I feel like it's something yeah. I need to do. And, and yeah, I still enjoy that. You know, yeah. I still believe I'm as good as I ever was for a match or two. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't I don't want to work a whole night anymore like that. But uh, yeah. I, um, I still enjoy it when the time comes and it's right. But yeah. uh, I, I, th- those are the things I'm doing mostly now, and you know I, I enjoy working with younger talent. I, try, I like to see like to see them develop, and try to give them as much advice as I can, and help as much as I can, and and 
and I, I, you know, I'll do clinics for yeah. uh, um, some training situations, and, and I enjoy those, Tim, and I've done a bunch of those together, and I, I enjoy that, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just, just a, just kind of like giving back, I guess, more than anything yeah. else. After the NWA, so, you know, I was running NWA for a while with, uh, when, when uh, Bruce Tharp owned it. I was okay. the, the director of operations there, and, and I was involved in all that transition between Bruce and, and uh, Billy Cor- Corgan, and, yeah. and, uh, and and that was all interesting. That was an interest. That that's probably going to go in the book too. But, all right, I'm uh, looking forward to that. I, I love yeah. to hear that story. Well, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know, I that, that was I was in the middle of it a lot, you know, yeah. and it, it wasn't uh, it was an interesting experience. It wasn't yeah. bad. It, yeah, but, right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I worked with them a little bit after the transition came, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, uh, you know, Tim, of course, is still there, and I'm proud of him for for having that opportunity. Yeah, and and uh, you know that, that that we didn't talk about the NWA, but that that was a, that was a great experience as well. You know, that those few years that I I was involved in that kind of trying to regain some prestige with the NWA. And, and yeah, we can talk about it if you want. Tell us a little bit about it if you don't mind. If you got a few minutes, I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh no, no, it's fine. I I just you know it was. It, I kind of fell into that when, you know, Bruce, uh, and, uh, had, kind of gave me the, the, that opportunity, you mm-hmm. know, uh, um, uh, and, and, uh, it, we didn't have any money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that was a problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, had no money and we, but we did things that, that, uh, I think that kind of helped reestablish a little bit of the, little bit of the value to the to the name and yeah. to, the, to the belt i mean we had a, an association with new japan okay uh, rob con rob conway was a big part of that carried yep. the title a couple of times uh jack's name uh, and we had a, a couple of great japanese champions during that period of time and um and then at the end of course uh, i had the pleasure of seeing my friend tim storm yes uh, win that title and and uh and uh, that kind of led into the transition, and and, uh, and, and it worked out really well for him. I, I, I just that was an interesting period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fr- frustrating because a lack of money, a lack of funds, and and right. a lot of you know you got thirty different little promotions, and and all of them are wanting this, and wanting that, and yeah. trying to pacify all of those, and 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 keep trying to keep some kind of momentum going or gain some momentum and yeah. it was a tough situation for a while but but uh but it's also rewarding in a way because in the end uh we got it to a point to where it was valuable to somebody yeah and and, and they've taken it and done some things and, and yeah. continue to do things and yeah you know the nwa means a lot to me that, yeah that, that that that's a to me it needs to be vital it needs to yeah. be a part of the part of the business and i, I yeah. i'm I always wish them well, whether I'm a part of it or not. Yeah, you know, so, so that that's that's a big deal for me. Yeah, no, I remember, you know, the NWA in the '80s, you know, '70s, '80s, Flair, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Magnetic. Yeah, I could go on and on. Uh, great promotion, kind of, you know, unfortunately, hit some bad times in the uh, in the '90s, and and uh, yeah. but but you know, I mean. Hopefully now, you know, I was starting to, I'm starting to watch it again uh, on uh, YouTube and, and Fight TV. And, and they had a little hiccup during, during the pandemic where they had to shut everything down, unfortunately. And, and they lost 
some good talent to the big yep. wigs because you know they scooped them up because they weren't getting yep. paid. And uh, hopefully, it'll get to where it needs to be. I think it will. I think uh, you know Billy Corgan uh, has a good vision from what I've seen so far, and hopefully it'll 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 work out. And uh, I'd yep. love to see it. Uh, that's- that's that's my hope too. I'm you know I, I I'm a big guy about tradition and yeah and 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 keeping things going that means something and the NWA means a lot. If you worked in this business back in the territory days or mm-hmm. you know you, you were part of NWA at some point and yeah. and, and the, that history that history means a lot to me and yeah, I'm yeah. hoping that they can can do something to make it even more relevant yeah. today. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, I want to thank you for coming on. It was so good to meet you in person at the Cauliflower Alley Club in, in Las Vegas this last reunion. Um, you know, you were very cordial and and, and talking to me, and, and uh, you didn't know me from a hole in the ground, but you took the time uh, to talk to me there, and uh, I really appreciated that because, believe it or not, you're a well-known name uh, in the wrestling world. And when I heard you were going to be there and do the presentation for JBL, I was hoping I got to meet you, and I did. And you're a very nice person, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and talking to me today coming on this podcast. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, I really appreciate it. So, Mr. James Beard, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Uh, You know, that's what Cauliflower Alley is all about is, you know, kind of all, all the family, you know, whether you're a fan or involved yeah. in the business some way or, or retired or whatever. And, and that, you know, it, 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 it's not hard to be friendly with people. You know? It is not. It is not. Yeah. Those yeah. guys there are all friendly. I mean, I, I read every person I talked to, every wrestler person, whatever, all very nice, very, yeah. very professional, very, you know, sit there and talk to you for 10 minutes if you want to. Didn't, bad and I like I got to talk to these other people and I really appreciate that so I will be back there trust me I will well, be back most, there most of us come from the same place we were all fans before we were in, involved yeah. and, and, and that you know that's something you have to remember when you're in this business no matter how well you do you know and and uh, and I tell guys and I, I, this is one of the things when I did John's presentation I really wanted to say is that uh you know, no matter how successful you are, no matter how many matches you win, how many titles you win, no matter yeah. how much money you make, when you get through this, you know, when you walk out of that ring the last time, the most important things to you will probably be the experiences you had and the relationships you made. And that, that goes for everybody involved, yeah. not just the guy, you know. So yeah. that, that's, it's important to, to remember that when, when you're meeting with other people. Yeah. All right, one more time, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Beard, thank you for coming on today, sir. Really, really appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. All right, folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. And please subscribe, and we will talk to you soon.